Hello and welcome to Food for Thought, a UK hospitality podcast that discusses issues affecting the food service industry. In this episode, we're going to look at ways to help businesses get a good hygiene rating. Now, it's been reported that online food delivery platforms are looking at displaying takeaway establishments' hygiene ratings. In addition, this could be because these platforms are increasingly being scrutinised following findings such as the platforms are selling takeaways from hundreds of restaurants with just a one-star hygiene rating. According to the FSA, these hygiene ratings are actually becoming more and more a thing that customers are becoming aware of, and these ratings are being taken into account when these customers decide where to eat. So today we're going to talk to Dr Lisa Ackley, our food safety expert, to get her advice on how businesses can get en route to a five-star hygiene rating. Hi Lisa. Hello. Now Lisa, shall we first go over what exactly the different food levels mean? There are six different scores from five down to zero and basically five is the highest score and zero is the worst one. So if a business has a five, then that means that their hygiene standards have been deemed to be very good on their last inspection. And if they have a zero, that means that urgent improvement is required. And quite honestly, when someone gets a zero, they're usually going through some form of enforcement action at the same time. So possibly the building might have been closed while they are putting in place sort of fairly substantial improvements. So would a zero hygiene, would that mean an instant shutdown of this venue? No, not necessarily. But in my experience, quite often if people get a zero rating, it means that there is some urgent stuff that needs to be done. Now, if it was the first time that someone had got a zero, it might be something that could be put right fairly quickly without a risk to health then the business may stay open. But if it's a situation where the business is continually failing and the local authorities run out of options to deal with it informally, then there may be formal proceedings being taken, such as a hygiene improvement notice or a hygiene emergency prohibition notice. The prohibition actually stops the premises from operating. And sometimes the local authority may also take in a voluntary closure while the business gets itself together without actually being closed formally. What about if it's a two or a three? What what does that mean for a business? Well, if it's a three, then that actually means that the hygiene standards are generally satisfactory, but obviously not as good as a, a four or a five. Anything above a three is okay. Anything below that, then there is improvement needed and there may be things that are, are not very satisfactory. So I think most customers would probably think that they don't want to really eat in a premises that's got a two, one or a zero. But I guess, I mean, for a lot of customers, they probably just look at the fives and the fours, but actually a three is also an acceptable level to be able to go and be safe that you're not going to get food poisoning or anything of the like. You can never tell whether you're going to get food poisoning <laughs> from a business. It's, even fives can fall down. I think really we can say that they've got a three or above. There's a good chance that hygiene is being managed fairly well in the business. And when would an environmental health officer or an EHO, as they're more commonly known, when would they be back to reinspect a premises that may have gotten a zero? Well, fortunately for everybody, this isn't an exact science and it really does depend on how much of a resource the local authorities got and also to some degree the perceived risk level. So 
For example, if it was a, a zero and the business had been very bad and perhaps had been closed down, then they would be reinspected fairly quickly because the business would want to reopen and then the EHO would have to go around and check whether it was able to reopen. But if someone had got, say, a three or a four and they wanted to get a five, then the business may not be on the list for an inspection for possibly 18 months, two years. One of the complaints businesses have had is that they have done the improvements and they feel that they should be a five now, but they can't obviously have that rating. So what's happened is because of the pressure that what was BHA at the time, it's now UK Hospitality, because we sort of highlighted this issue, then we've actually got to a position where businesses are allowed to ring up the local authority and ask for a reinspection to be undertaken earlier than their normal programmed inspection. Now, it isn't mandatory for the local authorities to do this. So not all are doing it, but most of them are. And the cost then, because there is a fee and it could be anything we've had reported from £90 to £350, depending on your postcode, really. It's on a cost recovery basis. So the local authority is not supposed to be making any money out of it. But one of the things we're looking at at UK Hospitality is to see whether this fee could be standardised a little bit. So if you've had a three or a four rating, but you feel that you've done the work and want to be a five, then obviously it's very important for you as a business to be able to get the environmental health officers in earlier than perhaps a programme visit would be, because otherwise you might have to wait maybe for two years before you get another visit. In these cases, we at UK Hospitality have actually made the government think about some changes, and they have actually agreed that a local authority may, if they want to, do a revisit on a cost recovery basis to actually go in in a much more timely way to give the business a chance to show that they actually are worthy of a five. Because businesses and consumers are finding the food hygiene rating scheme so important to them, it's really important as well that these ratings are, are current. And so this is allowing businesses then to be able to pay some money and have an earlier visit. But what we're finding is the cost can vary between £90 and £350, depending on your postcode. And that doesn't seem entirely fair. So one of the things we're looking at is to see whether maybe there could be a standard amount of money that people have to pay for a food hygiene rating revisit. And the other thing we want to see is that it's available for everybody, not just in some local authorities. That would certainly even things up and make it a level playing field for all businesses across the UK. Now, you used to be an EHO, so you've seen firsthand the common mistakes that some of these businesses make, whether they are just starting out or been going for some years. What would the first thing be that you would tell these businesses that they should be looking at? One of the things I also do now is um, I'm an expert witness and so I'm actually asked to look at evidence when a company's being prosecuted and comment on what's happened. In so many cases, I would put pest control at the top of the list. You see, the problem is that a lot of companies think that they employ a pest control contractor on, say, an annual basis to come and make routine inspections, maybe once a month and or when they have a, a pest problem. But often they don't really look at the reports or take action on the report. So the report might say that there are mice in the building and that there's really poor housekeeping and poor maintenance. And obviously the business needs to improve. They don't need to leave food debris on the floor because that's lovely for the pests. And if they don't take any notice of these recommendations, then they're actually effectively providing evidence that, first of all, there's a problem and failure to correct it. So they're really giving evidence for the prosecution. And I think what's really important is that 
you have to make sure that somebody in a position of responsibility is looking at those reports and making sure that action is taken if there are recommendations from the pest control company. Because otherwise, you're really just saving up trouble for later. Don't just assume that because you've had a company come in that everything's fine and they've dealt with it. Exactly. You, yeah, you have to, to make sure that you're, you're actually looking into the issues if there are any. And what would your next tip be? Well, I think nothing upsets an EHA more than a risk of cross-contamination from E. coli or Campylobacter. For example, if you have a vacuum packing machine and you're using it for both raw and ready to eat, you go straight into a zero rating. There might be a prohibition on your machine and everything else. So if you are vacuum packing, you must have a separate machine for raw and ready to eat foods. And equally, you need to have either separate areas of your kitchen for raw and ready to eat food preparation, or you have to have separation by time and colour coding for raw and ready to eat food. So you would then have things like utensils, cloths, even your sanitizer bottle, cling film and vacuum packing bags and your machine, all sort of colour coded to show whether they were raw. I would say you just need to put red for raw and then everything else would be ready to eat foods. So I think it's making sure that people read the FSA's E. coli guidance and really pay attention to whether they are controlling the risk of E. coli. And actually for the risks of E. coli are similar to the risks from Campylobacter. So the cross-contamination needs to be controlled and whatever controls you take for E. coli will also work for Campylobacter. So that's a bit of a win. And I think showing and demonstrating to your EHO that you've got this under control will really give a lot of confidence. And of course, confidence is one part of the food hygiene rating that gives the most points. That's really good advice there. And what would your third tip be? I think out of date food, that's like a red flag to a bull because it's either in date or it's out of date. And if it's out of date, this is a use by date then it really does need to be binned. And you need to have a waste record, which would help you to see what has been wasted to try and prevent it from happening again. And it also proves that you have got rid of the food. If you freeze food, one of the things that you might run into trouble with is that you will freeze it before it's gone past its use-by date, but you might use it after the use-by date. So it's really important to put a label on, and you can get proprietary labels that have the right wording on for you. And you actually put on the label that it was frozen on a certain date, and obviously that needs to be before the expiry of the use-by date. And then when you take it out of the freezer, you can actually put the date that you take it out of the freezer on the label and then you can apply your day dot onto it in accordance with whatever system you've got and it's very important that you do that because a lot of people have been prosecuted in the past because they haven't done that and then it looks as if they've got sort of ancient food in the fridge whereas in fact they've only just taken it out of the freezer. That's actually one thing that businesses might not even think of because you just bung it in there and you think I'll use that next week when I'm planning whatever menu. Do businesses have a lot of out-of-date food? I mean surely it's a waste of money as well for businesses to just have food sitting there just taking up space and, and not being used. Stock control is obviously really important for good business practice but sometimes people overorder and they are left with food and they're tempted to use it after the expiry of the use-by date or maybe they just haven't done a proper stock check. 
And the other thing is, of course, that you need to make sure that when you're stocking the fridge and freezer, that you put the new stuff at the back and you have the older stuff at the front so that you're using your stuff before it goes out of its use-by date. And it is something that often gets overlooked. You know, there's something stuck at the back of the fridge and that's the one thing the EHO will find. Now, you could swear blind that you were never going to use it, but in law, the EHO wouldn't believe you. It's a really simple one. This is where your daily checks come in, you know, your closing check needs to go through everything and if you've got a proper labeling system and you've put color codes on you will know what colors to look for you'll know what color day dot to look for to show that it's out of date or it's coming up to out of date by the end of the day and then you can dispose of it and obviously in, in an ideal world you won't have any waste so if you keep on top of this you'll actually be saving money anyway in the long run if you do freeze foods now surely they have a set of dates as well that you need uh, to use it by Well, frozen food, generally speaking, doesn't have a use-by date on it because it's a quality issue. And so it would have a best before. So if you buy a frozen food, one that's already been frozen, it will have a best before date. If you exceed the best before date, then that's not actually an offence or it doesn't mean that the food is unfit. It simply means that the food isn't quite at its best. And the same is you might decide to have a policy within your food safety management system for how long you're going to keep foods on the basis of it, of how long they will keep and still taste as good as when you put them in the freezer. But it's very important to make it very clear in your policy that this policy in relation to frozen food is not actually a critical control point because the bacteria can't grow once they're in the freezer. So you don't want to set yourself up for trouble, basically, by saying that if food is out of date or in the freezer, then it needs to be disposed of because actually it might be perfectly safe to eat. Sometimes you get foods going a little bit rancid if they're very fatty over a period of months. And so they may not be suitable for for keeping for a long time in the freezer. And sometimes you might get freezer burn if you haven't wrapped the foods adequately and that's where the food dries out and can't be rehydrated so it goes like it almost is like a rot and it's just impossible to eat and use so best before for freezers and basically anything frozen comes under quality issue rather than a safety issue for your final tip what would you say I've got two final tips, if you don't mind. (laughs) Go ahead. So my first one is washpan basins. Make sure that the wash basins are stocked. So they've got soap and they've got warm water. And preferably, if you've got mixer tap, that is the best thing. And if you can, if you're replacing your wash basin, get a tap that doesn't need anyone to touch it. So you've basically got an infrared tap. You just go towards it and it comes on. Make sure that they can dry their hands. I prefer in the kitchen for people to use paper towel to dry their hands because usually they won't wait around long enough for a hot air dryer however fast it is and also the the actual drying with a paper towel does help as well in the process of dislodging bacteria from your hands and then make sure that you don't let anybody use the wash basin for something else so the times I've seen prawns defrosting in the wash basin it's ridiculous so the designated wash basin then for for people to clean their hands in yeah And of course, EHOs will always be looking to see whether people are washing their hands. That's another thing. It's no point in just having it there. People have got to use it. And EHOs will do really sneaky things. Like they will look to see whether there's soap in the soap dispenser or towels in the towel dispenser. And then they will watch to see whether people are washing their hands at critical moments, for example, after preparing raw meat. So it's not just a matter of having the equipment, it's it's actually making sure that people do actually do the hand washing as well. The first thing the EHO might do when they come into the kitchen, and they really should be doing this, is to wash their hands. So they will then have a look at it straight away. 
And for your final tip, what would you say? Final thing is really check the checkers. So you might have some forms and the staff are filling them out. So for example, you might have a temperature record form. How do you know they're doing it accurately? And I've seen forms and so loads of EHOs. I really don't look as if they've been filled in accurately. And I've even seen forms filled in in advance to save time. So these are supposed to be accurate records of what happens on a day-to-day basis. They should, sometimes they might find that a food hasn't been cooked to the right temperature and it's had to be recooked. Now that if that's on the form that that's happened, I start to believe the form because you can't be perfect every day. But mm. the most important thing is you record it accurately and then you take the corrective action. So I'd be looking for that if I was investigating. And so what you need is a manager's check weekly and maybe a monthly check to check that everybody else is doing what they should be doing. And that is a really that makes the system so much more robust. Really important to make sure that checks are being made and everyone's keeping on top of their checks as well. Yes. So you're checking the checkers. So good practice really is an important part of getting a a good hygiene rating. And if you follow these steps that you suggested, then you should be well on your way to getting this five-star hygiene rating. But are there ever times when there are any disputes as to whether something would warrant a lesser rating? Oh, yes. I mean, that can quite often happen. And to be honest, because the appeal system is such that you can only appeal to the same local authority that gave you the rating in the first place, many times businesses will actually go down the route of fixing whatever it is that the EHO has complained about and then getting them in to do a revisit rather than actually go through the route of an appeal. And I think one of the most important things really for businesses to do is to make sure that they've got a good, robust food safety management system and that they follow the advice in the UK Hospitality Industry Guide to Good Hygiene Practice. Because this guide, and if if you've signed up for the primary authority scheme, then this guide will be your assurance that the local authority can't ask for things that are not in the guide. So they can't really ask for things that are in excess or in dispute with the guide because that has been an assured document. So at least you know exactly where you are. You should feel confident then that whatever you're doing, if it follows the guide, should give you a good route to getting a five-star rating. Now this guide, this is the UK Hospitality Industry Guide to Good Hygiene Practice, and that has been assured by Cornwall council is that right that's right and to have that as your assured guidance you need to sign up with uk hospitality just need it's free you just put your name on a list and then you can tell your local authority that you are um, part of the coordinated partnership with uk hospitality so that's really some some great tips and inside knowledge there for any business to follow to recap what are those five must-dos then Okay, well, it's keeping pests under control and making sure you take any action that's recommended by a pest control company, preventing cross-contamination, particularly from E. coli and Campylobacter, being out-of-date food and check your stock rotations working, keep the wash basins stocked and get people to actually use them and keep them separate from any food use, and finally, check the checkers. And of course, don't forget, if you are a member of UK Hospitality, you sign up to the primary authority scheme we spoke about. And as long as you follow that advice in the Assured Catering Guide, then you should be able to have the backing of Cornwall Council. So to get your hands on the Catering Guide or for more information, you can visit our website, www.ukhospitality.org.uk. Or you can email us on info at ukhospitality.org.uk. And we'd also really like to hear your ideas on what else we could be discussing on our future podcasts. So please do send in your suggestions as well. Thank you, Lisa, for your help and insightful knowledge there on how to get a five-star rating for your food service business. Until next time, thank you. Thank you.